Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. I'm going to be in the book of John chapter 13 for just a little bit of teaching today. We'll only probably teach for a couple hours. You'll be out of here soon. That's like the dumbest, oldest pastor joke ever. John chapter 13 is where we're going to teach out of. If you're new to the Bible, um, the Bible's kind of split into two halves. There's the Old Testament, which is uh, the story before Jesus came to the earth. And then there's the New Testament, that is the story of Jesus. And then beyond that, in the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, describe the life of Jesus. And so we're going to be in that fourth book called the Gospel of John. I'm going to begin with a thought that might be one of the more awkward message-starting thoughts I've used. Are you ready for it? All right, it'll come up on the screen. Do you enjoy bathing? Isn't that awkward? That has got to be one of the most awkward, do you enjoy bathing? <laughs> it is. Getting cleaned up. I had a couple thoughts right away. My first thought was, it, it, it depends. Uh, but I did, I was reminded of my in-law's home has the greatest water pressure. And I love bathing at their house because it's like a power washer. And, and showers take just a few seconds. You just get in there, turn it on, and then you're done. And I, so I thought, well, do I enjoy bathing? Well, that's... One, uh, that was one thought, awkward thought. Next one, I have, I'm a little bit aware of uh, uh, my wife and my daughters. They sometimes, it feels like they kind of sigh when it's, when you start talking about getting cleaned up because for them, getting cleaned up and doing their hair takes way more work than like for me where I don't have any hair left, so I just get in and I'm done. It's, right? And so... You like getting cleaned up or, or uh, bathing. It may depend on how much work that entails for you. Let me adjust the question to make it even more awkward. What if someone else offered to bathe you? <laughs> that's just creepy. By the way, if you're thinking, oh, that sounds cool, shut up. We do not want you to say that out loud. And, and then I had this other generally weird thought. Do any of you remember, now some of you, some of you, you, some of you young people, you have a reason to be so thankful to God because you grew up in a generation that had wet wipes. But those of us that are older, before wet wipes, we got spit baths from adults. Now, here's a picture. Some of you are going to go into seizures because you're going to remember this, I still have horrible childhood memories of apparently having something crusty on my face, and my mom, or my aunt, or my grandma, or any random woman who thought I should be clean would take, and they would, and then they would come at you, and they would, some, look, Pat right here is doing this, he's going, oh, oh. 
Do you remember those? How many have ever had a whatever? By the way, well, I'm not sure what you call those a spit bath. Is there anybody in the room that has not had one? And I'm not offering. It was horrible. Oh, I see some young people. But see, now they have. Praise the Lord for now wet wipes. It changed our lives for the better. Okay. Talking about do you enjoy bathing? And if, what, what if someone else offered to bathe you? I'm going to make a spiritual shift here. Some of you know this. <laughs> you know, God is, by nature, a washer of us. That's his nature, is to come into the picture and clean us up. In 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, this is one of the Bible verses that has a list of the different things that are sinful. And it says at the beginning, wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then it has this list of sin. It talks about sexual immorality and greed and thieves and slanderers and those things. And in verse 11 it says, and that's what some of you were, because he's talking to people who have come to know Jesus Christ. But it says, but you were washed. That's what Jesus Christ came and did. Washed. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. In Acts chapter 22, there's a gentleman, the Apostle Paul, who was a phenomenal Christian leader. And he is recalling in front of other people the, the, day that he be, the days that he became a Christian. And it's his testimony. And in the midst of that story, he shares of a man that God sent to him. His name was Ananias. And Ananias says to Paul, you will be his, that he's talking about God, to Paul, you will be his witnesses, his witness to all people of what you have seen and heard. And now, what you, now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and here it is, wash your sins away, calling on his name. God, by nature, is a person who washes and cleanses us. It's part of his plan. It's what he does, and it's, it's a big part of who he is. Now, side note, if you do not want cleaned up, then, then you stay away from God. You cannot have God, you can't have an intimate relationship with God and yet say, well, I want this other part of God, but I don't want that part that's going to get involved in my life and clean me up. It does not work that way. But the good news is, if you have areas of your life, and if you're like me, like, it doesn't take you long to think of areas where you think, gosh, I need that cleaned up. If you want life cleaned up, God's a phenomenal place. A, a phenomenal, I don't even want to call him a place. He's a phenomenal source of doing that cleaning up work in our life. Well, here's why we're bringing this up this weekend. It's because it's baptism weekend. And I think baptism is a great picture of what God does in us through Jesus Christ. And a little bit later in the service, you'll see a few people getting lowered into the water and engulfed by the water and coming back up. And it's just a, it's a picture of being washed, like what God does for us through Jesus Christ. And I want to do a little mini message. And the idea that I want to challenge you with or submit to you 
is one of the best things that you and I can do just as human beings is to give ourselves to God in a posture that says, wash me. Does that make sense? By the way, yeah, I'll go there for just a second. A ton of this has to do with our posture toward him. He never changes. He's always been someone who cleans us up, to cleans people up. But, but on our side, it makes a huge difference on whether we are open and willing and want him to do that or whether we resist it. So in John chapter 13, uh, we're going to look at uh, an encounter between Jesus and a guy named Peter. And Jesus' agenda is to wash Peter. And it takes a little bit of process for Peter to be willing to say, okay. And so in verse 2 is where we'll start. And uh, Jesus has offered, well, uh, a little more background. This is toward the end of Jesus' earthly ministry. He's been serving people for three years. He's about to go to the cross to die for your sin and my sin. But this is basically the last meal he has with his disciples. And in the midst of this, he offers to wash their feet. Verse 2. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal. We looked at this text a little bit last weekend. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet. Verse 6. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. If I were going to put a title on this talk. It would be something like Baptism 2020, an open posture before God. And uh, what I want to do is give you two ideas that will um, help us stay in a posture that will increase the chance of God cleaning us up. Now, before I give you these, you might want to pause. Think of an area of your life that you could use some cleaning up. Don't think of the person beside you's area of life that they need cleaned up. Let's talk about ourselves. Think of an area. You could use God's activity in your life, physically, financially, emotionally. You could use some cleaning up. <laughs> I just prayed a prayer like this the other day. I watched this documentary on Michael Jordan's life, and, and there was just a ton of uh, cussing. And I realized as I had, I'd, I had watched it, man, I had a whole bunch of I, start, I started to struggle. This, this wasn't in my notes. Some of you don't want to know about your horrible pastor 
But I had so many cuss words in my brain after watching this documentary. And I, I remember praying a prayer like, oh, God, uh-oh, I messed up. Well, you, you got to clean some of this stuff out. Do you have anything in your life? Could use some cleaning? I'm going to give you a couple ideas. The first idea is this from the text. We will be washed by resisting our initial impulse. There's room on your handout if you want to make some notes. If you're at, at home, you can make some comments. I would just write, you know, resist your initial impulse. And we see, um, it's actually in verse 8, but when, it come, when Jesus comes to Simon Peter, Peter says, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And then verse 8, it's pretty emphatic. Peter says, no, you shall never, I think he feels kind of good about, you shall never wash my feet, Lord. There's the, he probably didn't say it like that. But he says, you will never wash my feet. Now, side note, there's, I think this is kind of an admirable, probably, thought, because Peter, by this time, knows that Jesus is like God in the flesh, and he's the Son of God, and he's the Messiah, and he was part of creation. He's, he's this amazing, super, wow, high authority, and so initially, I'm assuming Peter is like, for you to stoop down and mess with my dirty feet, that's not right. You know. That's his initial thought. By the way, this is not the first time Peter, in the presence of Jesus, had this resistance to the holiness of God coming close to his not-so-holiness. In Luke chapter 5, Jesus was teaching a big crowd of people. This is, I think, the first encounter that Jesus had with Peter. Jesus is apparently teaching a big crowd of people. A lot of you know this story. And apparently there are so many people that I think to help Jesus communicate to the crowd, he asks Peter, can I use your boat? And he goes out a little bit into the water. You ever been to a lake where you can hear what people are saying out on the lake? So, so Jesus goes out on the lake a little ways, and he teaches all these people all kinds of probably wonderful things. And when he's finished, perhaps as a thank you to Peter, he tells Peter, Hey, go out and fish one more time. Because Peter had been fishing all night. Well, anyway, so he says in the verse, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And, and long story short, they go out into the water. First of all, Peter didn't want to go out because he says basically, we've been fishing all day and we haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I guess we'll do that. So he goes out. And they catch this massive, miraculous catch of fish. So many fish that it's going to sink the boat. It's probably the best moment of Peter's fishing career ever. And when he realizes this miraculous moment in verse 8, it says, Simon Peter saw this. He fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord I'm a sinful man. There's that initial response to, because God is holy for us to, you better stay away from me. Paraphrase it, go away, I'm too dirty. 
Here's the idea. It'll come up on the screen. A common reaction to a holy God is go away. But can I submit to you? It's the wrong response. I would argue it doesn't even make sense here in the text with Peter. If you think of this, think of this from another angle. Peter loves to catch fish. Peter just had the most amazing catch of fish he has probably had ever in his whole life. It is connected to the fact that Jesus came into his life. If I were Peter, and if Peter would think through it, why wouldn't he snuggle up next to Jesus and say, will you please be my best friend? Do you, do you, why would, your, your boat is filled with fish. Why would you then tell the guy who was the key to the boat being filled, go away? Wrong. It's foolish, stupid. That's stupid. Just turn to the person right and left and say, that's stupid. That's, do you see, like, do you see kind of the insanity of that where you would say, oh, no, go away. You should be saying, oh, stay here with me so I can catch fish like this. Seriously, every time Jesus, I would argue, virtually every time Jesus showed up in a person's life, it, it was there to make it better. If you were sick, he could bring healing. If you were uh, possessed, he could set you free from demonic things. If you were dead, he could raise you back to life. So here's like a question. Why do we push that away ever? Why do we ever push him away? It's the wrong move. It's the wrong initial impulse. Can I give you one more story? You can check this out. It's in Mark chapter 5. There's a gentleman who lives uh, in the cemetery. I've, we've referenced this before if you've been part of the church. Every so often it'll come up. He's uh, so messed up. He's got demons in his head. He's messed up. He, he's a cutter. He cuts himself. He cries out. Uh, people can't control him anymore. And it says in verse 6, when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, here's what he says, In God's name, don't torture me. Now from one angle, you have to consider this was the demon speaking. But from another thing, I wonder if Jesus ever looked at people and thought, What in the world did you think I came to earth for? When, when the person said, oh, no, no, don't, don't torture me. I, I'm going to jump into sarcastic Jesus mode. Ready? Sarcastic Jesus. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I came from heaven to earth because I, I hate you. And I want to bring, I'd like, yeah, I came down to torture you. That's why I left perfect heaven. I'm going to die on a cross. That's why it says I came to seek and to save what, save what was lost. Yeah, I came here just to be a booger. Ha, ha, ha. There, it makes no sense. Does that make, does that, it makes no sense. I wonder how many times he wanted to say, are you folks idiots that you would resist? I came here out of love for you because you're all messed up. Why would you say, are you going to torture me? Does that, and so I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm sharing, I'm challenging us along with myself. Why in the world do I ever resist 
God. And yet I'll tell you, it is pretty common to do that. Bad move. We can finish up this point with, what is my perception of God's intentions? How do you picture God? He didn't come to torture you. He came to save us. And even if it's a little awkward or challenging, the best thing we could have in our life is somebody who will clean us up. Second point, we will be washed by engaging with full submission. This comes in verse 9 after Jesus says, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. And then Simon makes this shift. And he says, well then, Lord, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And I would submit to you, this is a message to Jesus. I'm all in. Wash me wherever you want to wash me. I thought of this when he says feet, hands, and head. That is basically every exposed part of his body that could be washed. Uh, a lot of you have seen pictures illustrating like Jesus and in Jesus' times what they would wear. Here's a picture. Of course, that's not the real Jesus. But, you know, it's like Jesus and his disciples. Notice the only thing wa washable. When he says, my feet and my hands and my head, those are the only available parts that you could wash with water. Does that make sense? And so here's the idea. When Peter offered his hands, feet, and head, he was offering his everything to Jesus. Wash me, God. Last illustration. We have three kids. They're grown up now. But I still remember when they were little dudes and dudettes, got a son and two daughters, still remember when they would graduate from like the sink bath to the tub bath, and I think probably every one of them, how do you know if you, like, you take care of your kids when they're in the tub? It's a good idea. Might want to write that down. Take care of your kids when they're in the tub. And I think every one of my kids, I can still remember <clears throat> where it'd be like hair wash time, and I would, man, I would wrap them up as quick as and I'm going to lay them back into the water, right? And I'm going to I'm like, I'm going to help get. And what would happen when that, right? They would turn into cats, <laughs> right? So I, I don't know if they all did, but you know, you'd start to lay them back, and they'd be like, uh, oh, you know, they they would start to do this thing, like you're going to kill me. That's the way they would act. And I remember thinking of this years ago. I've used this as an illustration before. That is so crazy. That's nuts. And I mean, I'm just a human being, a fallible dad who has his faults. But what are the chances that I am going to let anything bad happen to that kid when I lay them back in that tub? I would argue not, it's not going to happen. I am totally strong enough. I am totally uh, attentive enough. I'm trying to make sure that, that no bubbles even get close to their eyes. And I'm telling you, I am just really kind of an average dad who tries hard. Just compare that to the Father, the Lord of the universe, who is the perfect Father. And so the argument, the challenge today is, we should be giving 
ourselves to God and saying, clean me up. We're going to now move uh, and hear a couple testimonies from some of the people before we then move into the baptisms. And so those of you that are going to share your testimony, we have two people going to share their testimony, and then I'm going to read one. Uh, so we, we have uh, Brittany and Mason. You guys want to come up over here? Hi, Brittany. Got it. Sorry, just had just wanted to dance for a moment there in front of everybody. Is this? Oh, there we go. Thank you. Hi, Mason. Come on over. So, if you've been to one of our uh, uh, testimony services before, you know how this goes. You have a part to play. Everybody, everybody, look really super nice because sometimes people get nervous when they have to talk. So, everybody, say hi, Brittany. Hi guys, am I close enough? You're good. Okay. Um, I have had a lot of pain in my life. I was born with cerebral palsy and that comes with a lot of pain and have had several painful experiences throughout my life. I have struggled as long as I can remember believing that God could possibly good or be good if he has allowed me um, or all that stuff to happen to me. Even after I came to know Jesus, every time something bad would happen, I became angry at God and would run away. But even then, Jesus would still show up. It wasn't until fairly recently that I decided that even when I doubt, I will still trust Jesus. I am committing to making the hard times bring me to Jesus, not far away from him. I frequently ask Jesus to help me with my unbelief. I will trust Jesus no matter what. <sighs> and I didn't die. Everybody say, hi, Mason. Hi, everyone. I'm Mason. I accepted Jesus as my Savior April 16th, 2020 at home during online service. With Pastor Andrew, I decided to kept, uh, kept, accept, accept yep, Jesus as my Savior because I, it changed my life. And I'm going to read Darby's testimony. Darby, you just want to stand up and wave to everybody so that you, they know you're up over here. Everybody, that's Darby. Okay. <laughs> so here's Darby's testimony. It says, my name is, my name is Darby Booth. I am 52 years old. I have bipolar disorder, obsessive compulsive disorder, and I have mild mental retardation. God is in my life, and my gifts are caring for people, and my needlepoint, cross stitch, and no count cross stitch, which apparently is something kind of complicated, Darby. No count cross stitch. Okay. It says, I enjoy my church family 100%. And I believe in the power of God's word and prayer. 
Darby Booth. Say hi, Chris. Hello, everybody. <laughs> okay. So, I first encountered God on a summer night 11 years ago. To be honest, I never had a close relationship with God or Jesus before then. But that night, I just had the urge to pray. Now, at that time, this was my, my, before my senior year of high school, uh, I felt an emptiness. I felt alone, and I was just overwhelmed with life pressure at that time. So I prayed. I prayed for guidance and for him to open me up to him and others. And God did just that. Later that year, God introduced me to a community where I found Jesus. I made friends with people that I knew for some time, but never really talked to. And they invited me to a uh, weekend Christian retreat. Oh, hang on. Where they showed me Jesus' love. I felt just that, loved by him and my new community. But slowly, as the years progressed, um, everyone moved on, and I felt my, like my faith was diminishing. My community moved on, I felt like that emptiness was creeping back in. I knew the effect that Jesus' love had on me, but I wasn't attempting to dive back into it. Until recently, where now I'm turning 30, I told myself that I wanted to build that relationship with God and Jesus again. So I prayed. And then later during this year, I was talking to a friend from work, and she introduced the church to me, where then I found a community. And now I'm building that relationship with Jesus again, and God is filling up that emptiness. I can see the unlimited amount of love and joy that he has blessed me with. And I recently accepted Jesus as my savior, so I know I won't lose him again. I'm excited to go on this new journey with him and my new community to grow and show my thanksgiving and love. Come on up, Mike. Everybody Hello. say hi, Mike. Hello? Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I became a Christian in September 2019. It was after a service here at the church. Um, through Pastor Mark, I wanted to know more and become closer to Jesus. I was raised Catholic and was baptized when I was a child and thought that counted. Now I know that this time it's my choice to get baptized and take that next step in being a follower. Before becoming a Christian, I never owned or even read a Bible. Now I have a Bible and I'm reading it often, and it's helped me realize how important Jesus is to us. The Bible has also opened my eyes to how we are supposed to be in our walk with Christ. Thank you, Pastor Mark. Your strong love of, your strong love of Jesus has shined on me. I'm grateful to know him better through you. Everybody say hi, Grace. Hi. So last night I came to service like I would have any other Saturday night, but little did I know I would find out that I was getting baptized this morning. In the last couple of years, I've faced um, 
some trials that I can only give credit to the Lord for bringing me through. But amidst those times, up until last night, I have fought to trust the Lord because it seemed that even when I trusted him, those I loved and even myself were hurt. Through the chaos and confusion of asking questions about God, the God I grew up believing in, I have come to lay it all down at the feet of Jesus. I am surrendering, surrendering my need to control. I need to know the answers to all of the questions, especially as the world is changing, and to know which side to stand on, because I know that my Father in heaven has already won the battle, and that I can find strength and peace in his love. Thanks. Everybody say hi, Dan. Hello, it's about to get real. Um, <laughs> so, um, before I met Christ, um, my identity rested in homosexuality and its lifestyle. Um, it was a life where I pursued uh, experiences and relationships that only led to confusion, um, depression, destruction, and complete emptiness. I had convinced myself there was a gray area in serving God, that I, exi that I acknowledged his existence, but I was past the point of no return, and so I'm never gonna be able to be saved because this is who I was, and I was past the point of return. The devil took my mind to a place of complete uh, disparity where I was convinced nobody else would ever understand what I was going through. Um, nobody else is struggling with this. Um, and then God didn't do this gently, but he stepped in he convicted and he called for life change. He called me to completely remove myself from that environment where everybody knew me as that. He called me to live a pure and righteous life. And then he promised me complete deliverance, which I thought was completely impossible. Um, and then he started giving me back everything that I had to give up. But this time they were pure and righteous. One of the things that he gave back was friends. He gave me back more than what I had. Um, and they all love Jesus, probably, uh, they all love Jesus. Um, and when my God said that he will deliver me, he did. When my God said that he will renew my heart, he did. When my God said that I will overcome evil, he did it for me. Praise God because he offered me eternity in place of homosexuality. And, and now I have a pure purpose, and identity in Christ. That's awesome. Praise Hi, Amaya. How you doing? Good. Everybody say, hi, Amaya. Hi. So Dan had a really nice testimony. I just used all the questions on the paper. <laughs> so... Um, my life before I committed my life to Jesus was hard. I lied a lot, and I really didn't like that. I encountered Jesus at church. He seemed like a superhero because he is, because he saved us from our sins. I realized I needed a savior in third grade. I lost a lot of family back then, and it was a hard time. Since I dedicated my life to Christ, I felt loved and I'm happy I'm doing it. I'm happy that when I die, I can go up to heaven and live the rest of my life with Christ. Awesome. 
Everybody say hi, Jaden. Um, I don't think I can top Dan's, but. <laughs> just, just to be clear, this is not about topping each other's testimony. <laughs> all, all, isn't it cool how God just intervenes in all of our stories? So anyway. Before I realized what Jesus really did for us, I just saw him as a person who gave me life, nothing more. But as I got older, I realized what he's done for us and what he could do for the world. I never really questioned him or doubted him. I just trusted and believed in what he had planned. And that's what I've done all the way up till now. Now I have the chance to make my relationship with Jesus even better. Awesome. Hi, Samara. Everybody say, hi, Samara. Hi, Samara. Hello. My life before Jesus was a roller coaster, always up and down, on the go or down in the dumps. Since I was little, I've always been in and out of church. I really didn't commit until a couple months ago. My son will be two in a couple days, and I feel like I need to commit to be better for him as well as myself. Jesus came to me laying in my bed late at night. I was just criticizing myself and putting myself down, and he spoke to me, told me to stop doing that and that I'm doing great and fine. After that, I thought long and hard about myself. I realized I needed a change, and I couldn't do that without him. Since I dedicated my life to Jesus, I'm experiencing happiness and love in my life. I have eliminated myself from toxic relationships and I have been taking a step forward. It's pretty much the same, isn't it? There we go. Everybody say hi, Kylie. Uh, I grew up in the Lutheran church. I went to a Lutheran elementary and middle school. I memorized what I was supposed to and said what I was expected to say, and that's about as deep as my quote-unquote faith went. I heard about God at school and at church, but it never truly reached my heart what it where it would have uh, moved me and changed me. There, I decided to go to Bethel for college, in part because I said I wanted to get closer to God, which was a God moment in itself because I had no idea what that even meant. I think it just sounded good, and I was used to saying whatever would look good. It wasn't until I went to Bethel that I realized God wants a relationship with me. It was a foreign concept. There was a few, few people who really dug in spiritually with me that first year. By my freshman year summer, I gave my life to Jesus. I knew I wanted more, but to be honest, looking back, I still don't think I fully realized what that meant. My faith was very black and white after that. I saw life as, I shouldn't do this, I shouldn't feel this, and I pushed many people away during that time. I was very legalistic. I was full of head knowledge, but my heart was a mess. Since college, it's been a journey, a long, difficult journey, a truly refining process. Jesus kept opening my eyes and continues to open my eyes. I have a lot of pride, and I had to keep coming back to a place of realizing how much I need Jesus. I'm on a minute-by-minute -minute realization now, and I'm so thankful for that. It keeps me yearning for him. This last year, he has really grabbed my heart after much prayer in that area, and I know he has great plans for my life. Um, so I'm super excited, and I'm forever grateful that Jesus has allowed me to be a part of his uh, kingdom plan and his kingdom story. And so today I recommit my life to Jesus. Everybody say, hi, Sophia. You'll be great. Well, hi, I'm Sophia. So when I look back on my life before living with Jesus, I realized that he was seeking me before I ever began to seek him. I was still happy, positive, and living, but what I didn't realize is that he was with me during this time. And when I finally did commit my life to him, start spending time with him, talking to him, I felt a 
very overwhelming change happen. I felt stronger, I felt happier. In a strange way, I felt safer. Um, sorry, this part's a little hard for me, but um, I remember the night that a family member passed away. I was home alone when this was happening, and I was still like unaware of what, we got, what was going on because my parents were at the hospital. And it was the first time I ever prayed out loud. But it was still a very calming situation because I knew no matter what was going to happen, everything was going to be okay, he was going to be safe, and he was going to be well. And I remember another night when I found out a family member had cancer. It was the first time I ever heard Jesus speaking to me. And I knew regardless of what was going to happen, that he was going to be okay. Thankfully, he is, because he is here today. So I'm so grateful. And it's moments like these and just him being there with me that made me want that relationship and want to seek him more. So. Everybody say hi, Braden. Hi, I'm Braden. I encountered Jesus when I was 11, but I always knew about him like my whole life. But just last year is when I really needed him because so much stuff was going on in school and out of school. Ever since I've been wanting to dedicate my life to Jesus, I felt love. My life before I committed my life to Jesus was bad and I sinned a lot. Come on up, Mallory. Everybody say, hi, Mallory. Hi, I'm Mallory, obviously. Um, so I kind of want to <laughs> give some background on my life before, I guess I recommitted my life. Uh, before, why am I like this? <laughs> um, I did go to a Catholic school at a very young age, so I was able to experience some type of connection to God, but I never really felt it because I was young, like kindergarten to third grade. But roughly two years ago, my life took a rough turn where I wanted to... <laughs> okay. I desired the party scene at school, but it only left me. sad and helpless and so I was scrolling down Instagram one day and I seen my uh, girl that I attended school with that put on her Instagram of a all-girl ministry at school um, so I reached out to Grace who that was expressing how I moved away from Jesus and wanted something that would help me um, go back into that life so I attended the first night and I was overwhelmed by the love that I felt for the first time with God and after that I headed to go buy my first Bible over those. Over the last couple months, I felt Jesus in my life. He has helped me create a life fulfilled of happiness and a never-ending love. He's helped me reach out to others in their own pursuit to follow Christ. Everybody say, hi, Blake. Hi, I'm Blake. 
So I have considered myself a Christian since childhood, but recently started following, walking with, and pursuing Jesus over the past couple of years. Um, through this process, I have witnessed God working in my life. He has renewed my heart and mind and switched my focus uh, from the things of this world to the things of his kingdom. I was called to be baptized today uh, to publicly recommit my life to Christ and as a recognition as to what he is doing in my life. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.